You know, there's one principle that I'd like us to learn. And you know what that is? Harmlessness is not holiness. Think about that. Harmlessness is not holiness. I want us to see today that there's a distinct difference between the two. We're going to take a look at this illustration. An empty, well-swept house doesn't make it a warm, welcoming home. It doesn't. Let me ask you, what comes to mind when you picture an empty, well-swept house? It may be nice, but it might not be the greatest place to live. It could be kind of like a museum. Ever been in a house where it just, it was nice and clean, everything was in order, but man, it just wasn't comfortable. Nothing against plastic on the furniture, but it's not very comfortable, is it? <laughs> and people do that. You know, maybe there's too many delicate knickknacks around and ooh, you're so afraid to, to move left or right. It can be clean. But is it more of a house or more of a home? What do you think differentiates a house from a home? What makes one abode enjoyable and have a sense of a safe feeling and another one does not? What do you think the difference is? I wonder if it's the same thing that makes a person's heart either warm and enjoyable and welcoming, or maybe that heart is cold and unwelcoming and kind of, you know, just difficult to relate to. One thing about following Jesus, he demands entire devotion because that's what love does. See, love and following Christ, they go together, just like love and a home go together. Okay, so for love to be love, there must be devotion, faithfulness, oh, and desire, right? When you add all these up together, you know we have fruit, fruit, and Jesus loves to see fruit, and sometimes when he doesn't see fruit when there should be, you know, he gets a little angry. How about that time he the, he came across a fig tree? And the tree had no figs. He cursed the tree. <laughs> Why? Because that tree should have had figs, but it didn't. How about the man that had a talent, but he went and he buried it in the ground? And Jesus rejected him, cast him out. No fruit. The Bible warns against those who don't help the helpless by giving them food or drink or clothing. It says that's not what it means to follow Christ. You might not even enter into glory if your heart is like that. So when Jesus came on the scene, he was on a collision course with the religious leaders and the religion of the day because the religion of the day was more like a house than it was like a home. Oh, everything appeared to be in order, nice and shiny, but man, it just wasn't 
a comfortable place to be. So when Jesus and the religious leaders met, kindness clashed with coldness. Love clashed with selfishness. And Jesus becomes more and more hated as he spoke of those things. Imagine there are people, they go through life and they're so content to live without love. They're so content to live in a system, a system of works, rather than relationships of love. So what does Jesus do? He tells a story. A story that reveals harmlessness is not holiness. Okay? In other words, you can be a good person, but it doesn't mean you're holy or you're even with God. So we find in Luke chapter 11, verse 24, and here's what Jesus said. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Okay, he's talking about a demon. Okay, now demons seem to enjoy barren places for vacation spots. Okay, remember Jesus' uh, trial in the wilderness? That wilderness was dry, no life, barren, hot, nothing growing there. And that's where the devil was. Contrary to paradise, the devil didn't tempt him in paradise. He tempted him in the wilderness. Where did the demoniac live whom Jesus cast out when he cast out the uh, legion? In the tombs, right? In the tombs with dead bodies. So when the unclean spirit cannot find a dry, barren place to rest, notice what happens in verse 24. The demon says, I will return to my house from which I came. This house, it's the soul of a man, a certain kind of a man very similar to the dry, barren place. Now, originally, Jesus had Israel in mind when he told this story. The state of Israel during John the Baptist's ministry was filled with religious hypocrisy, dead works, no life, a big need of repentance, because that was John's message, right? Repent, bring forth fruit, in keeping with repentance... So Jesus said, this spirit, right, this unclean spirit, it goes out of a man. And then it says, you know what? I can't find any place to rest. I'm going to go back. And when it comes, it finds that house swept and put in order. It's like the guy's life was all cleaned up. And it's a picture of Israel with John the Baptist on the scene. He came preaching repentance in Matthew chapter 3. You know what he said? What a strong message. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. Oh, but he who's coming after me, he's mightier than I. I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I believe there's two baptisms there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, when people are brought into a relationship with God, and the baptism of fire, which is judgment for those that refuse that relationship.
Because remember, John was talking to a mixed crowd. Some were, they wanted to be believers and others, no, they didn't want, no matter what. They weren't going to be believers. They liked their religion. They weren't going to bend. So here comes the demon when it returns to his house. But notice, oh no. Verse 26. It goes, it goes and takes along what? Seven other spirits even more evil than itself. He comes back with seven worse demons. And they go in and they live there. The last state of that man, oh yeah, becomes worse than the first. That's for sure. Why? Harmlessness is not holiness. When that demon left that guy, right? The guy was harmless. He was a good guy. But that's not holiness. And the demon came back with seven more. Now he's got eight. Where before he only had one. And he was in real trouble. So, referencing, referencing this back to Israel. Israel had to do more than clean up her act. She needed a spiritual renewal. And a continual filling by God. Okay? Now, what we're going to do with this little story... Of course, we're going to make an application because we always want to apply the Word of God to our lives. And here's the point. You cannot leave a person's soul empty. Okay? It's not enough to clean up the life. For many people, a clean life is a deception. You know why? They think a clean life is a holy life. They have a list of bad things they don't do. And they say, look, I'm a holy person. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't go here. I don't go there. Remember, harmlessness is not holiness. That's the deception today. People think if I'm harmless, then I'm holy. If I'm not doing bad, then I must be good. But I'm going to show you the deception in that. Every person is like a vessel. And an empty vessel is in a, oh, a dangerous place. You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7? He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The earthen vessel, it's not a water pot. He's talking about his own heart, himself. We're earthen, right? We're made from the, from the clay of the ground, right? We're vessels to be filled. He says, we have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's the gospel. It's the word of God. We have the word of God in our hearts. That's what he's saying. Because our souls are constantly open to whatever is available to come in. Whatever is out there is going to come in. Right? If I put an empty glass into a water tank, it will immediately be filled with what's in the tank. Water. But if I put a glass filled with rocks and sand into a water tank, it's already filled. Not much water is going to get in there. Okay? But the point is, okay, here it is. If I have an empty heart and I don't fill myself with the things of God, then whatever's out there in the world is going to come in and fill me. It's going to fill me. So how do I prevent that from happening? 
I have to take it upon myself to do my own filling. Okay? That's what I have to do. I have to fill myself with that which is good, so the world will not fill me with that which is bad. Now, summer is here. And with summer comes the potential to uh, take us out of church. And, you know, we go on vacation. That's fine. We do things for fun. We break the routine. Nothing wrong with that. But here's what we have to be careful of. If it takes you out of church, will you still fill the time spiritually? Will you allow your vessel to be emptied? Because if you do, what's going to happen is whatever's in the world is going to come in. So I think it's a it's a good word of warning that in the summer, when we're traveling and doing our own thing, we're not able to get to church like we usually do, take it upon yourself to fill your heart. Fill your heart with that which is of God, so it doesn't get filled with that which is of the world. Spend the time wisely. Take a book with you, a good godly book. Watch online services. That's the beauty of technology today, right? We can, If we can't get to church, church can come to you. That's why we do the Hope Club podcast. The Hope Club podcast is our messages that you can just listen anytime. You can listen while you're driving to the campground or your destination spot, or to the beach, or wherever you're going, and you can listen on the way home. You see, you're still filling the vessel. That's the key. Because an empty heart, oh, it's a very dangerous thing. Whatever is around us will fill us if we don't intentionally fill ourselves. Okay? And and like the story, this guy in the story he was worse off later. And you know, if people get away from God, it's even more difficult to get back. And their lives can slip away. Oh, we've all, I'll bet we all know at least somebody. They are slipping away. They got out of church and they're slipping away and they found other things that they substitute for church to make them feel good. Maybe they go nightclubbing. Maybe they go to the gym. Maybe they bought a motorcycle or a boat, but they found a substitute. But I'll tell you what, it's not going to end well, because the only thing that's going to keep us safe is what God provides. So you want to make sure, keep that vessel full. Keep it full. You know, one of the apostles, who was it? Was it Paul or James? He said, Don't even give the devil an opportunity. You know that word opportunity? It means a little space. Don't even give him a little space. Because if he's got a little space, oh, don't you worry. He'll move right in and he'll take up the whole space. So we got this guy in the story, right? And because the man cleaned up his life and he didn't fill it with the things of God, his last state was worse than the first. Okay? Now, Say you want to rid yourself of a bad habit. There's something that you do, and you know what? It's not good. It's not healthy. You want to get rid of it somehow, you know? But you're having a hard time. And I think the mistake people make sometimes when they want to stop a bad habit, they don't pick up something to replace it. You have to replace 
a bad habit with a good habit. Okay? So if you want to go out with the bad, you have to come in with the good. You've got to substitute a better behavior. Because if you do not, either it will just come back or something worse may take its place, like it happened with this man. Okay? So whatever you want to quit, whatever you want to get the victory over, okay? You got to substitute it with some. Let's say, oh, I watch TV too much. I want to stop watching TV. Well, don't shut it off and sit in the chair. Get a book or watch services online or Bible teachings online. Now you're replacing it, right? Let's say you want to quit smoking. Well, one of the best ways to quit smoking is to, you know what? Exercise. Because as you exercise, you feel good. You get energy. You feel strong. Before you know it, you have no desire to smoke anymore. So you, you buy a bicycle or you watch exercise videos or you go to a gym for 10 bucks a month or something. But you got to make the effort, you see? And little by little, those habits, as they're being pushed out, new habits, are being pushed in. Good habits are coming in, and you're a lot better off for it. Okay? Now, because you see, it's all about how we end. How do you want to end up when it's all said and done? Every race, whether it's a marathon or a sprint, has an end. <laughs> Who gets in a race and they, they, they just keep running? It never ends. No. Every race has a finish line whether it's a 100-yard dash or 24 miles. There's a finish line. So you want to get to that finish line. Every game has an ending. Do you ever play Monopoly? There's an ending. Do you ever play checkers or chess? There's an ending. That game doesn't go on for infinity, although Monopoly sometimes it seemed like it did. But there's an ending to every game. Every sport has an ending, whether it's baseball, football, Tennis, you name it. Cricket on the other side of the pond. But it's, it's, it's how we end and how you end determines, here it comes, the winner. Right? The ending determines the winner. So for us, it's all about how we end. No one comes up to the starting line and says, oh, I'm glad I made it. Or, oh, I like your running shoes. Where did you get them? Oh, I got them on sale. Buy one, get one for half price. You should see my other pair. No one does that. No one does that. You get to that starting line and you're like pumped. You're ready to go. I remember a few years ago, I used to run 5Ks. And I was a novice. You know, I'd always be in the back. So this particular race, I think, you know what? I'm going to start on the front. I'm going to be right in the front at the starting line. And when that gun goes off, man, I'm taking off. Well, you know, that gun went off and I took off. And it's like this wave of runners ran over me. It was like this giant tidal wave whoosh, washed me over. I mean, these guys and gals, man, they were serious. They were like whoosh. And I felt the pressure of everybody just whoo going by me. And I'm like, man. I'll never do this again. <laughs> I will never start another race in the front. I'm hanging out in the back with all the novices. You know, it was intense. But the point is, you finished the race. I finished the race. That was the key. So it's all about the ending. 
I want you to consider your Christian life and think about the ending. Yes, along the way, it's difficult. Yes, it is. It's tough. But so what are you doing that you can be a winner when it's all said and done? See, it's intentional. We have to have a plan. Every football team goes into the game with a game plan, right? They practice all week, depending upon the team they're going to face. They look for strengths and weaknesses and what they can do best to beat them. They have a plan. Even in baseball, as slow as it is, they have a plan. The manager knows what pitcher he's putting in at what point in the game and who the subs are going to be. You have to have a plan. And I think today, a lot of people don't have a plan. And we just kind of wallow. We wallow in our lives and we don't have a plan to get to the ending. And the plan should be, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to learn his word. I'm going to discover my gift. I'm going to cultivate my gift. I'm going to utilize my gift. I'm going to be an asset to my church. I'm going to help grow God's kingdom. See, that's a plan. You discover who you are in Christ and he made you to be you. So you hop on that and be you in Christ and learn all the things that God has provided for you. So, but we have to continue to do the things to ensure a good ending to our lives. You know, a lot of folks, they jump out of the race. They jump out because they don't like the way the race is going. Their feelings get hurt, their ego, their pride, and they'll say, I'm not running this race anymore. And they have the right to do it, but they're not going to end well. They're not. Imagine if if all of the churches that had people that quit, never quit. Oh, the walls, would they'd, we'd be busting out at the seams. You'd probably triple the size of every congregation if the people that quit didn't quit. But they did. They did because they didn't consider the end. They considered the present, how I'm feeling right now. And they made a determination based on how they felt now and said, wait a minute, how is this determination going to affect my ending? The finish line. Every life has a finish line. I have a finish line, whether I like it or not. The key is, what do I want to look like when I get to the finish line? That's the key. So, you know what you do? You keep your heart filled. That's the whole point today. The danger of an empty heart. Not filling it up with the things of God, because harmlessness is not holiness. Okay? You can be a good person. You can be a nice person. But if you're not filled with the things of God, you're not holy. And God is looking for holiness. Holiness means we're separate, separated from the world for Him. That's what that means. Separated from the world for Him. So, for wherever you are right now, whether it's really good, oh, you know what? It's not that good. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you got some heart pain. Maybe you've been treated unfairly. Okay, we're not denying anything. 
Everybody gets treated unfairly at one time or another. Everybody has heart pain. But that's not as important as where you will be at the finish line, at the end of your life. We want you to finish well. We do. Here at New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast, we want you to finish well. That's why we're here. Because we want you to get the Word of God. We, we don't want you to have an empty vessel, and we don't want you to have a vessel that's filled with the things of the world. But we want you to have a vessel that's filled with the things of God. And you know what? That's going to keep you strong in the race. It will. It'll keep you from quitting. You don't want to quit. Sometimes you think you have no choice. You have to. No, you don't. No one has to quit. As a matter of fact, you know what Paul said in Romans one twenty? There's no excuse. There's no excuse not to follow after God. Wow. A lot of people are going to have a wake-up call. He says, listen, God's going to say, well, you, you, you didn't follow after me, and you give me a reason? That's no reason. I reveal myself in the creation. I reveal myself inside of you. God has placed an awareness of himself in every single person, everyone. But people have suppressed the truth, Romans 1 says. They suppressed it. They pushed it down. But God's going to say, hey, I gave you an awareness of me, and I reveal myself in nature. You have no excuse not to know me and to follow after me. There's no excuse. And it's not going to finish well for a lot of these people. It's not. But we want it to finish well for you. Hey, let's let it finish well for a bunch of other people, too. And of course, here, I, here comes the broken record. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. It's all about joining the Hope Club. Supporting the ministry with $3 a week. That's it. That's it. Three bucks a week. We send you an email Monday through Friday. Devotional email set to music. Just to kind of get you started off on the right foot during the day. And we allow these podcasts like the... They're going around the world. Over 350 downloads last week. I'm like, are you kidding me? Nope. I'm I'm as amazed as anybody. But people want the Word of God, and we're helping. And you're helping us help by getting on board by joining the Hope Club. So help us out, okay? Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar, fill it out, three bucks a week, you can do that. Let's spread the Word all around the world. <laughs>